Welcome to the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life better. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast. This week, I want to look at alternative treatment methods for spondylitis. You know, this can be a really hot button topic. There's those that say it's only biologics. There's those that say it can be controlled by diet and exercise. And I think the answer is probably yes to both. And what I mean by that is for some of us, we're only going to respond to a biologic medication. Maybe the AS has gone past a certain point of no return and biologics are the only thing that might that might help to temper that for that individual. Others might be in a different spot where they're early enough in the, the journey where diet and exercise can help. So there is no right or wrong answer, and it's one of those things where if it works for you, that's fantastic. Doesn't mean it's going to work for others, so always make sure you remember that as you have your discussions with others that just because something works for you doesn't mean that it will also work for others. And that's one of the problems I see is this almost zealous clinging to, well, my treatment works for me, so it must work for everybody else. And that's really not the case. It's great that it works for you. It's wonderful that you might be able to share what works for you, but it doesn't mean that it will work for others. So be happy that you found something that works for you. And let's take a look at some potential alternative treatment options. Now, I will be upfront and say that these are things I'm going to talk about, but I've really not used. So for me, I don't know if they would work or not. I'm not going to say they would. I'm not going to say they wouldn't. It's for you to go out and as you take your journey through developing a treatment plan for you, it's for you to explore which one of these items works for you. So when you look at alternative treatments, there's many, many treatment options that we can talk about in relation to spondylitis. Now, this article that I'm referencing does focus mainly on the United States. So outside of the United States, there could be other types of available treatment options that maybe aren't either here or aren't as common here in the United States. But again, you're going to want to talk with your doctors to work with what's best for you. There's lots of treatments options for spondylitis that have been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. However, it goes on to say some people look to CAM or complementary and alternative medicine to help manage their symptoms. So when you look at CAM, it refers to like medical practices or products that are not part of what are considered standard medical care. Now, when you look at these complementary and alternative medicines, they don't tend to slow down the progression of spondylitis in everybody. They may for some, but it's not been found that they slow it down for a broad swath of people. So remember that. You have to experiment and find what works for you. Spondylitis, as we know, is the name of a familiar rheumatic, you know, autoimmune and inflammatory disease that causes arthritis involving the spine, hips, buttocks, you know, the whole, you know, everywhere you feel pain. Spondylitis, sometimes called spondylarthritis, it really consists of six subtypes. And the first is ankylosing spondylitis or, you know, radiographic axial spondylarthritis endopathic arthritis, which is the arthritis associated with inflammatory bowel disease, psoriatic arthritis, 
reactive arthritis, undifferentiated spondyloarthritis, and juvenile spondyloarthritis. And I would throw in there that also there's non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. This article doesn't touch on that a lot. It's a newer term, you know, maybe within the last dozen years or so. And so this article just doesn't bring that one into the mix. The symptoms for each subtype of spondylitis, you know, they vary. And the people who have them suffer in different ways with chronic pain and what is it that affects them. So there are standard treatments for spondylitis, and those are the basics of, you know, using NSAIDs, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which can help to reduce inflammation and pain. There's the biologic disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs, DMARDs, which suppress a specific aspect of the immune system, generally not the entire immune system. And that's something that people think it just collapses their immune system. It doesn't. It affects parts of it. And then traditional DMARDs, which are used to reduce inflammation like sulfazine, things of that nature. Some doctors may also prescribe opioids to help reduce the pain and corticosteroids to help reduce inflammation. Antidepressants may be prescribed to address some of the mental health issues associated with having a chronic pain condition. And most medications can cause side effects, which is one of the reasons people may look to complementary medication styles or complementary pain management styles to improve their overall health. So you, again, you want to talk to your healthcare professional. You want to find out what they have maybe good exposure to, what they like, what they don't like, and things that you can try to weave into your treatment plan. One of those, and this is one I'd like to try, I keep saying I'm going to try it, and I haven't yet, is acupuncture. Now, acupuncture is one of the most popular traditional Chinese medicine techniques, and it's commonly used to alleviate pain. The treatment involves inserting very thin needles into specific parts of the body. The insertion of the needles into the skin is supposed to strategically shift the energy from one part of the body to another, thus helping to rebalance the body. There was a study done of 60 patients with cervical spondylitis, and it showed that using seven acupuncture points combined with traction reduced neck pain and improved their quality of sleep. Well, that's good, but as the article points out, it's a very small study. It was just 60 patients. So it's really not broad enough to know what the applications would be on a large-scale use. But again, try it. It's not going to hurt you. You might find some use for it. There was also a systematic review of more than 70 clinical trials that tested the efficacy of acupuncture for treating patients with rheumatic diseases, and it showed that acupuncture was effective for reducing lower back pain for some rheumatic diseases. However, the results were inconclusive for treating axial spondyloarthritis. So again, it's going to fall back to you have to really test this out for what's best for you. It may, it may not help. You'll only know by trying. The National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health states that acupuncture is generally a safe technique when performed by an experienced, well-trained individual who uses sterile needles, which makes complete sense. However, when done improperly, acupuncture can cause serious damage, including collapsed lungs, punctured organs, injury to the central nervous system, and infections. So again, make sure that you go to somebody that is well-versed in how to perform acupuncture. Another thing that's kind of across the board for those of us with axial spondyloarthritis is avoid seeing a chiropractor. Now, there are many people that swear by their chiropractor's assistance in, you know, cracking the neck, realigning bodies, spine, so forth. But if you're not telling your chiropractor that you have AS and they don't know how far along you are on the journey, they can actually do far more damage than good 
because your body, if it's fused, can no longer take those quick snaps and pops and things that they use. So again, chiropractic adjustments or spinal manipulations, they're done by using the hands or small instruments to apply sudden force to the joint and should only be done by a trained chiropractor. The sudden force pushes the joint beyond the normal range of motion and is often followed by a popping or cracking sound. As I was mentioning, serious complications can arise after a chiropractic adjustment. So the Spondylitis Association of America warns against using chiropractic treatment for people with AS or individuals with fusion due to spondylitis. You just want to be aware of that. It can cause you much, much more damage than what is anticipated if the chiropractor is not aware of your limitations if you have fusion. Another common thing to try is exercise. You know, exercise is important for overall health. The more we move with axial spondyloarthritis, the better we generally feel. I know it can feel terrible trying to get up and actually start moving, but once you're in the process of moving, most people find relief and find the inflammation, the pain tends to subside. You know, although it may be difficult to do regular exercise with living with spondylitis, movement typically, as I said, helps to improve joint stiffness and reduce pain. So that's something you want to keep in mind. Another thing is physical therapy. A physical therapist can help with physical rehabilitation through patient education. You know, physical therapy can improve range of motion, promote good posture. So specifically, studies have found that a combination of exercises can reduce symptoms of AS. There's things like stretching exercises to increase your range of motion, strength training to increase muscle strength, spinal mobility to improve posture, cardiovascular exercise to help with breathing function, and then functionally training can improve just overall physical condition. Another item is Tai Chi. This is another popular traditional Chinese uh, medicine technique and slash exercise. Tai Chi is a type of low impact exercise that involves a series of movements performed slowly and you know hopefully gracefully. Tai Chi is considered a meditative movement because it requires the person to perform a series of focused postures while focusing on breathing deeply. There have been some studies that have been done on Tai Chi. There's currently only one clinical trial that focuses on using Tai Chi to ease the symptoms of spondylitis. And researchers found that practicing 60 minutes of Tai Chi twice a week for eight weeks significantly improved disease activity and flexibility in a controlled trial of 40 patients. Again, it was only 40 patients, small sampling. So you have to take that into account. If you can find a Tai Chi class, go. It's not going to hurt anything. When I lived in Arizona, every Saturday morning down in the park, they did a free Tai Chi class. I did it a couple times and, and enjoyed it. I was a lot less fused at that time. Not sure I could do it now. Another thing is yoga. You know, similar to Tai Chi, yoga is also considered a meditative exercise. There is a great program out there. Two gentlemen run it that both have AS and it's called Yoga for AS. You can find their page on Facebook as well as YouTube. I'll have links to it in the show notes. And the fact that both of them have AS really lends itself well to seeing not only what yoga can do for you, but they understand when you mention what your pain levels are, they're going to have a fairly good idea about that. When you look at it, there's been many studies that have done on yoga, but most of those are very small sample sizes. One study found that yoga is effective for decreasing pain while improving the quality of life for people with rheumatoid arthritis. Unfortunately, there are no studies on the impact of yoga on spondylitis, but again, go to Yoga for AS. You'll see some good anecdotal evidence there. Another thing, and again, this is going to sound like I'm 
pushing exercise, which I'm not, but it's it speaks to how beneficial it is for you, is Pilates. Now, Pilates is a low-impact exercise that focuses on increased flexibility, muscle balance, and core strength. I don't know that I could do Pilates. I think I'm too far fused. But people with AS who did Pilates three times a week for 12 weeks showed significant improvement in their physical capacity. A systematic literature review of 23 studies found that Pilates was an effective treatment for reducing pain and improving disability levels for patients with AS. So it's nice that this is one particular area that they found that can be beneficial for people with AS. So as you look around, whether it be Pilates, yoga, Tai Chi, or some combination of them, maybe mixed in with swimming, those are all great ways to continue to focus on what you can do to come up with alternative ways to help treat your AS. What about dietary and herbal supplements for spondylitis? Well, you're going to see a large gamut of different things. Dietary supplements, they can include tablets, capsules, liquids, and powders that are swallowed and intended to supplement the diet. Dietary supplements, you know, here in the United States are evaluated by the FDA as food and not as a medication, which means they are not tested for efficacy or validated as a treatment option for any specific disease. That's something you want to remember. Some herbal products, such as vitamins and supplements, have been studied as potential therapies, but before you take anything, talk to your doctor about it so that they can compare it or look at it in relation to any of your medications and make sure there's not going to be some type of an adverse reaction. Some of the things you might consider, vitamin D. Uh, Vitamin D has anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. So you'll want to talk to your doctor about maybe being on vitamin D. Omega-3 fatty acids, we've discussed those in previous episodes on diet and the benefit that they can have towards anti-inflammatory properties for you. Turmeric is another one that has shown to have some anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. And finally, ginger also has some anti-inflammatory properties. So those are just some of the items that you could potentially try. You'll just want to make sure, again, before you start taking any of them, you talk to your doctor about it. And then lastly, diet. This could be many, many episodes all into itself, whether it be the Mediterranean diet, keto, or you know paleo, or carnivore, or whatever. Everybody's going to react differently. So what works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. The kind of constant thing that you can see, though, across all the food ways to eat are the reduction of processed sugars, the reduction of processed foods, just reducing those can have a huge benefit for you. So pick a diet, Mediterranean diet, keto diet, whatever. Pick whatever one makes the most sense for you that you can stick to and try it. Eliminate certain foods that might cause you issues, take them out of your diet, and then slowly introduce them back and see if you end up with a flare or problems. There's no short-term solution to your diet. It's one that takes a while. There's a lot of discussions online about it. I've done a couple episodes on food prep and everybody has to use the method that's best for them. So with that, again, I hope this helps. I thank you for listening. Again, it's great to be able to come to you. It's great to be getting better and healing up after this COVID. I'm feeling pretty darn good now. And it's just great to get the interactions and hear back from you. Go to spondypodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter, and make sure you watch for those emails that come out from me. Take care and have a wonderful week.